0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I'm going to go to to Proverbs chapter 4. Now, we're talking about the battle for my heart, and the battle for my heart and the battle for your heart is constant. It's ongoing. It never ceases. It never ends. And so just some indications or questions that may help you with that. What disappoints you in life? What do you complain about? What do you sacrifice for, even financially? Do you have a a sanctuary where you run when you're hurting or you want an escape? These are all just indications of the things that, if I'm not careful, will become the gods of my heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23. Keep your heart, or watch over it, with all diligence. For out of it, out of your heart, spring the issues of life. So within every one of our hearts, it springs the issue uh, issue of life. So whatever I put in there is ultimately going to come out. Proverbs chapter 27. Look with me in verse number 19. As in water... Face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. Inside a man comes out his true identity. The message says that verse, Just as water mirrors your face, so your face mirrors your heart. So ultimately what's in your heart once again is going to come out. And there are things every day that are trying to claim the throne of your heart. There's things that we could address, and you'll see this in the Scriptures, that is literally, your heart is the the battleground for gods. Little G-O-D-S, gods. Things that are coming after us every day. Now to understand this a little bit more, go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 20. Genesis and then Exodus. Where we are going to start with here is the Ten Commandments. Now it doesn't say the Ten Suggestions or the Ten Multiple Choices, it says the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, guys, I believe are the greatest top ten list ever. And the Ten Commandments weren't for me to have a checklist as far as, well, I did that one, check. I did that one, check. The issue with the Ten Commandments in our society right now is you hear this more and more that the Ten Commandments are no longer relevant to us. That was for them way back then, but not for us now. Now, I choose to believe differently. If murder was wrong in the Old Testament, murder's now right in the New Testament. If stealing was wrong in the Old Testament, it's now right in the New Testament. Honoring your mother and your father, wrong, right now. How about adultery? No, every one of these guys are still biblical truths that are alive and well. Now, I want to pick up in chapter uh, 20, verse number 1. And let this teach you here today, okay? And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now, I want you to highlight something here this morning. Remember this right here. I am the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I'm going to highlight that here in a minute. Just keep that thought. Verse number 2. You shall have no other gods before me. You'll have none none of this. So he's telling us here, there's no imitations and there's no substitution. God is a God that demands loyalty. And one way believers show God their loyalty is we worship only him. And Let's go a little bit deeper here. Verse 4. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And so he gives us some insight here, and he forbids us to believe in other gods, to make other gods, or to even worship other gods. Because no human effort could adequately represent who God really is. Now when we look at this... We all may look here and sit here at each other and say, you know what, I've never worshipped another god or bowed down to one, nor will I ever do that. So really what you're saying here is really irrelevant to us. But let me ask you something this morning. What do you serve? What do you sacrifice for in life? What do you live for? What do you pursue? See, I can say I worship God but really if I'm not careful, I worship money more than God. I worship relationships more than God. I worship a career more than God. And we don't like to use that terminology but we can label or call them whatever we want. In God's eyes, these are idols. And he prohibited it right here. But many times we think about idols well these things all look so harmless but when when, when people place anything, whether it's other people or things above Father God, they've become idols. And by definition right here, they've become my God. Now turn over a couple pages to Exodus chapter 32, and I want to give you a biblical example of this. Let's let the Word of God teach us here today. I believe God's going to do something in your heart. You know, we we showed the video up there, and here next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday, and you think about all the stadiums, arenas, that people just literally give their souls to. Is God anti-football? No, actually, I think God loves football. I really do. I just don't think he overdoses on it. Because when we get to heaven, God won't ask one of those NFL players how many Super Bowl rings you have. God won't ask any of them, were you in the Faith Hall of Fame? You know, in God's eyes, that represents nothing to him. Okay? Let's just keep reading here before I get in trouble. Exodus 32, verse 1. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, and he was up on Mount Sinai getting directions from Father God, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods. Now note that right there. Come make us gods. And your Bible is probably a little G-O-D-S. And that you shall go before us. So get the picture of this. Here's this man of God named Moses. He's up on Mount Sinai getting directions, actually commands from God. And at the very exact time, Aaron and the Israelites are doing exactly what God's telling Moses don't do. So he goes on to say, for this man Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. Now they get very impatient. And they say, we don't know if old Moses is AWOL, we don't know if he's quit, he's gone on vacation. So in the meantime, look what happens. And Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and he made the fierce molded calf. Now every time I read that it really, it interests me because you would think if they were going to create or mold some image at least they would have done a lion or something vicious. But a a, a molded calf, that's as bad as doing a kitten. You know, and I look at that and I think, come on, fellas, can't you do better than that? And so they create this molded calf. Now, this is the part here that I want you to hold fast to, that I said in in Exodus 20. Look what is said here. And so they created a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, when we read in Exodus 20, verse 2, The Lord thy God specifically said, I am the God who brought you out of Israel. Right here, they make the the statement that it's this molded calf that's done this to you. Now, I don't think you could slap God in the face any worse than this. To act like something we created is more valuable than him. Verse 5. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation saying, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Now I believe to a certain degree the Israelites, they still wanted to worship Yahweh, but they wanted to worship God on their terms, not on His terms. But when you go back into the Bible and you look, God's the one who calls the shots. God's the one who says, This is what I ask you to do, not us. We're not to determine what we think is right or wrong. We're just to follow what God has told us to do. Keep reading verse 6. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Get down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt. They've corrupted themselves. They have turned aside Quickly. Now, I like the word quickly, guys. That if I don't make God priority in my life, it's very easy to turn away very quickly from the things of God. doesn't take very long. Why? It's because of the title that we're using right here. The, the gods of this world are, ri- literally, are literally after your heart every day. Every day... There's a piece of this world that is trying to take the place of God in your life and my life. So he said very quickly, and out of the way which I commanded them, and they have made themselves a molded calf, worshiped it, and sacrificed to it, and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, whatever you sacrifice for is what you'll worship. Think about that statement right there. These guys traded God, the creator, for a God of their own creation. And when I look at this, I think, how could they do this? What's up with that? But are we really any different? Are we really any different because we replace God with the statues of our own creation. And you know what that can look like? Your home. Your cars. Your hobbies. Your dream vacation. Your job. Your career. See, once again, anything that I sacrifice to is what's going to be that I worship. And once I start serving and living and sacrificing for other things besides God, that has now become the God of my life. And we don't look at it that way, but that's why there's a battle for your heart that's going on every day. Now discard the thought of a golden calf. Just discard that thought. Anything that I become devoted to and anything that I sacrifice to has now become an idol of my life. More important than Father God. Verse 9. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen the people, and indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. They quit searching for God. They quit living for God. And once again, they uh, they, they treated God or traded God for something they had carved. And the matter was an inner matter. The heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. Once again, the things that I allow to come after my heart. And you've got to look at it this way. Every day in your life, something is going for a piece of your heart. Turn a couple pages over to, to Exodus chapter 34. To test the character of anything, all you've got to do is ask yourself this. Does this lead me to God? Or does this lead me away from God? And once again, I revert back to what God said. They quickly have left me. It's very quickly to get away from the things of God. That's why it's important that we obey what God says to us. We we obey with a grateful heart. Exodus 34, verse 10. And the Lord said, Behold, I make a covenant. Now, the, the covenant, guys, is a term of a mutual agreement. To have a covenant, it takes two. It's got to be two. You just can't have a covenant with one. Now, when God says, I make a covenant, He tells us right here what His covenant's going to be between me and you. Look what He goes on to say. Before all your people, I will do marvels. I will do miracles, such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among whom you are, are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. So God right here, he's telling us as, as a covenant God, this is what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to do miracles and I'm going to do things crazy above anything that you've ever seen or, or desire. I'm going to bless you, I'm going to take care of you. But in verse 11, he gets over on me and you's part of the covenant. Look what he says. Observe what I command you this day or take careful note. Behold, I'm driving out. and He lists all these ites. You can read them all. Verse 12. Take heed to yourself, least you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Now, you know what he's saying? If you don't take heed to yourself and, and, and take ownership in this, what ultimately is going to happen is you're going to begin to make covenants with other gods. And when I make a covenant with other god, he goes on to say, Least it be a snare in your midst. It ultimately becomes a trap that when I start putting anything above Father God, it's going to be a snare, it's going to be a trap, and it's going to lead to damage and hurt. Verse 13, His prescription. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. You know what He's saying? Get them out of your life. Get them out of your home. Verse 14. For you shall worship no other god. Woo, very straight again. For the Lord whose name is Jealous. Now when I begin to look at this and read this, he mentioned this back in Exodus 20 verse 5. And he says, for my name is Jealous or I'm a jealous God. This is in reference to the word idolatry. That this is very, very similar to that of a marriage relationship or a marriage covenant. Now when you have a marriage relationship or covenant, it's a smooth sailing, it's very peaceful, it's very blessed when both sides of the covenant do what they're called to do. And as long as I'm faithful in my side and my spouse is faithful in that, my marriage covenant is very good. But anytime time that one of the covenant gets suspicious of the other one, you start having issues because someone's been unfaithful. Now, Father God is just like we are in a marriage covenant. I have no desire to share my wife. She's my wife, and that's how Father God looks at the marriage covenant with us, and He says... I don't desire to share you with any other gods. I want all of you. Back to verse 14. Now look at this. For you shall worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now, the first two commandments in Exodus 20, they are reinforced right here. And what were those? Have no other god before me, and do not create any carved images. How are they reinforced right there? Well, the revelation of Father God is revealed right here through this covenant name. What is this covenant name? Read with me. Whose name is Jealous. Now, if I went around the room and I asked you, what would be one of the covenant names of God that you could say? Most of us would say, well, Yahweh, the great Jehovah, The God who was and is to come. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But if you'll note here, one of the covenant names of God is He is a jealous God. Our God is a jealous God. And this is in a most righteous and in a most loving way, okay? Just like in a marriage covenant. And many people would say, well, why would God be like this? He already owns everything. But your heart. God wants your whole heart. He is jealous for your whole heart. He's the God that wants an exclusive relationship forever, or with every one of us. Verse 15. Least you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, And they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifices to their gods. Now look in that passage there because every time it mentions gods, it's little G-O-D-S. And one of them invites you and you eat of a sacrifice. And you take of his daughters for your sons. And his daughters play the harlot with their gods. And make your sons play the harlot with their gods. Now, he ends this part with this. You shall make no molded gods for yourselves. I believe every one of us, what I I call a dichotomy moment. The word dichotomy means division. And every day in our life, we will fight other gods that try to make a division between you and God. Father God is pulling on you and saying, serve me, serve me, serve me. Come hang out with me. The other gods of the world are pulling at us. And each day, there's dichotomy moments. But I've got to choose, who am I going to live for? Because with Father God, there is no cohabitation. Now, in a marriage sometime, you start finding out, when your kids start growing up, and this may identify some of you, man, you get busy. You get crazy busy with ball practice and piano practice and this event, and we got to go here and we got to go there, and so... You have this big piece of pie, and everything is pulling after that piece of pie. Everything in your life is wanting a sliver, wanting a sliver, wanting a sliver. And before long, you look and you realize, I have no time for my marriage. My marriage is suffering. So what you ultimately do to make sure that you have time for your marriage, you set a date night. And you say, Friday night at 7 o'clock, baby, we're going out. Just me and you. And you don't let anything keep that from happening. Well, you realize, Father God has set date nights with us. And it's called, Honor Me on the Sabbath. That's one of the ten suggestions. Commandments. That I don't believe God takes it too kindly when we break the dates that he has set before us. And he says, honor me on the Sabbath. Come and worship me on the Sabbath. And so when I violate it, it ultimately says to Father God, I really don't like to be married to you. I kind of like to date you. I kind of like to look at you as a sugar daddy. That when I have great need, I come around and I say, gimme, gimme, gimme. All you'll give me, because my name is Jimmy. If your name's Jimmy, I don't mean that ugly. But you see how we're doing. But see, God, Father God's not into dating. Father God's into marrying. And God, if you haven't noticed, God will only be first place. God's not number two in my life. He's got to be first place. And another way we show Father God His first place is with the sacrifices of even our giving. That's why it's important. And You guys will say, well, we know how you preachers are. I knew we'd go over on tithing somewhere today. Well, God says there in Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, He said, honor the Lord with the fruits of all thine increase. God wants you, once again, to even honor Him with your finances and your money. Once again, what I sacrifice for is what I worship. And I don't know what a nosebleed ticket to the Super Bowl is, probably a thousand bucks. But there'll be people all over our nation that will sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice to go to that game. And you know what will ultimately happen? In about four hours, it'll be over. It's a done deal. So guess what happens? All you did was got a temporary fix. The only thing that will ultimately fulfill us is Father God. Doesn't matter what it is. Once again, is God against football? No. Is God against me owning a home? No. Is God against me having money? No. But He is against when I quit honoring Him and I quit saying, Lord, You're first in my life. Now, go with me into the New Testament to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. It says, you're turning there, you've got to ask yourself this question. Am I dating God or am I married to God? God is looking for the ones that are married to Him. Those ones that will stay in covenant with Him. Those ones that will say, Father God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to obey you. If you said, don't forsake the assembling together, then I'm going to assemble together. I believe one of the strongest heritage you can get, guys, is bring your kids to church. You daddies, you sit home and play with Pastor Pilla, tell your wife, get them to church. I'm going to tell you, you're setting a horrible example. Horrible. Get out and bring them to church. Because guess what? If you're not excited about the things of God, your kids aren't going to be excited about the things of God. And one of the greatest heritages I, I believe we can and give our children is the things of God. And the older I get. And now I'm in my early 40's. For 10 plus years. I look at people that have served God their whole lives. It blesses me. It blesses me incredibly. And there's ones here in our church that. They're, they're getting a little older. I mean but they serve God and they serve God. And I look and. Mary, raise your hand. This is Mary Roberts. And next to her is Caroline, our teenagers in in the Lord. And I look at their lives, and life's not always a bed of roses. But they've served God, and they've served God, and they've served God, and they've served God. And they serve God when it would probably be easier to quit. But something happens when we just say, you know what? We're going to serve God. We're going to honor God. We're going to honor God. You know, I was around my father the other night, and he's seventy-eight. Serve God and serve God and serve God. And I went to a basketball game to watch our our coach Hammons and our daughter's team play. And I'm sitting by my dad, and they introduced the the team. It was Clovis's team. And every one of those girls come over and shake my dad's hands. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, "What's up with this?" And I'm looking at him and then I see tears in his eyes. And what I realize is those girls are honoring him. And after it's over, one of the coaches said, "He wanted to honor your dad because your dad had been such a great influence in his life." And that's the heritage I come from. And you know, growing up, man, I'm telling you, my dad, he wasn't always easy on us. But dads aren't called to be your friend. They're called to be your daddy. And you know what that means? Sometimes you need a swift kick in your blessed assurance. Sometimes with teenage boys, the best way to discipline is just by the collar. And I don't say that ugly. I'm not a child abuser. But anytime you discipline your children, it's because you love them. And So I cherish the opportunity to go through life and say, I want to serve God. I mean, you think about, what would be the greatest compliment to you on your tombstone? You know, I I, I grew up back in Oklahoma, and my grandma, anytime she had animals that would die, they would just tie a, a wire around their leg, the cows and the horses and they'd pull them all the way to the back pasture and there was an area back there just bones everywhere and I said to Shelly one day, I said, when I die just tie that wire around me and drag me to the back pasture I said, don't don't spend any money on me who cares that's not me but the greatest compliment to me on my tombstone would be he served God he served God now, in this passage here, I want you to see some things today. Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a spirit of entitlement. Give me the portions of good that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, when I look at this, this younger son had a dichotomy moment. And what the moment was, was he had to choose, do I still live for Father God, or do I live with this thing called prodigal living? Now listen what the Amplified says prodigal living means. Reckless and loose from restraint living. And the Bible says this is how he lived. So you know what this tells me? This young man's God now was prodigal living. He traded in the opportunity to worship the true and living God and said, you know what, I'm going to live with prodigal living. You know what that means? Party till you 1999. Boom. Some of you remember that song. We're a little late on that. It's what it meant he did. And I say that to say this. In our society right now, one of the strongest gods is after us is the spirit of partying that pulls on people and pulls on people. Guys, I've lived there. I've lived there. You're talking about an empty life? Pastor, have you ever been drunk, slobbered, stupid? Have you ever been high, Pastor? I've been high. You name it, I've been high. I've been high, high, high. And you know what I found is? There's only one true high. And His name is Jesus. Because every one of those things of the world, that part in lifestyle, it left me empty. You know what it usually left me? Hungover. Where my best buddy was the great white horse. Blah! Woo, that's fun, that's fun. Threw my heart up 22 times, that's fun. And I looked and thought, guess what, that was my life for 20 years. That's all I knew. But all something happened. Now watch what takes place here over and over. Verse 14. But when he had spent all... When he spent all, and every time I read this, once again, what you sacrifice for is what you'll worship. And he spent and he sacrificed everything he had on that lifestyle. And when he spent all, guys, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. See, the only thing that can bring you true happiness and fulfillment is God. Any of these other false gods, they're only temporary fixes. How many of you have, man, you had planned a great vacation? You were so jacked. I mean, you would get on your little calendar mark today and say, 22 more days until we're going to Disney World. Oh, happy day. And guess what ultimately happened? We went to Disney World and we had to come home. And guess what? There was a void within us. And I don't care what it is in life. It can't sustain you. These gods will try to be a quick fix for you. doesn't matter the success you have in life. Once you get some success, you want more success. Keep reading. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now this was about as low as you could go as a Jew. To work for a Gentile... And to have to work around the pigs. Pigs are no-no with juice. No, 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 no. That's Gentiles. We tear those pork chops up. I'll tear them up, man. Tear them up. I've, I've, many of you remember my Jewish friend, Sandy Culkin. I was eating some pork chops one day in front of him. These big old thick ones. And man, I was just tearing them up, looking at him. And he would watch me. And he looked at me and said, Pastor, can I have a bite of those chicken chops? Cut him a big old piece and said, there you go. Man, He tore him up. He wanted a piece of that. I don't know why I'm telling you that, but throwing it out there. <laughs> kind of the way my little mind thinks. I just... Back to the story. Get off the chicken chops. Where are we at here? But when he came to himself, but when he came to himself, now I've got to highlight that, guys. When he came to himself, he's having another dichotomy moment. When he came to himself, and look what happens when he came to himself. He said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger? Guess what he realized? I'm on the wrong side of the fence. I'm serving the wrong God. I serve the God of pleasure of prodigal living, and look where I'm at. Thank God when we come to ourselves. When I was 20 years old, God, it's, I was so lost. I couldn't pay attention. Couldn't do anything. Had blown everything I had on the world. And one day, God started moving in my life. And I came to myself. And before long, the things of God begin to rise. I believe that's for some of you today. You're not here by accident. Keep reading. Verse 18, and look at all the eyes. I will arise and go to my Father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. You know what he's doing? He's taking responsibility for his actions. That's what happens when you repent. Guess what? God's aware of your sin. You're not telling him nothing he doesn't know. He already knows it. Keep reading. Verse 19. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. This is totally different from the first time. Remember, guys? The first go-around, he said, give me. This time he said, make me like one of your servants. This is where it really gets good. Verse 20. And he made the choice. And he arose... And he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. Now, you're getting ready to see the heart of a jealous God. And he had compassion on him. And he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. If you'll note there, when the father went after him, he saw the son. He didn't shut the gate and say, nope, nope. He didn't put up the sign, no vacancy. He didn't put up the sign, no losers allowed. You're done. I'm done with you. No! I love this because in the Amplified right here, it says he was moved with pity. He had tenderness and he embraced him. And the father's reception right here, you know what it showed me? That he pardoned his son and he restored him. But it took that son of having a dichotomy moment that said, you know what, I'm tired of being away from my Father. The things of God are more important to me than the things of the world. Now, every one of us in here, we have gods that are coming against us right now. And anything that I sacrifice to is what I'll ultimately worship. God is a jealous God that He wants all your heart. He wants all of you back right now. But you've got to look in your own life and you've got to begin to say, what's the gods of my heart? The gods that try to steal from me every day. The gods I've opened up to. See, here we are in early January, early in 2014. And maybe you're here today and you say, I need a fresh start. I need a fresh slate today. I need something to happen. Well, guess what? God is wanting you to have a dichotomy moment and say, Wake up. Come on back home. Come on back home. See, because the things of this world won't satisfy you. You'll find that out. Whether it's going to ball games. There's nothing wrong with that. God's not against you having a big house. He's not against you going to football. He is just against it when He's not first place. When we don't honor Him and do those things. I don't know what you're living for today. Maybe there's certain goals that just consume you. Maybe it's a career that you put all your livelihood into that. And so many times we think, well, this will bring satisfaction to me. Only Jesus. Only Jesus will. You know, years ago, there was a guy that I would see him here on Sunday mornings from... Late October till like early spring. And I wouldn't see him no more. And I ran into him one day at the store and I said, Hey, dude, I hadn't seen you in church. And he said, Nope, you haven't. And he said, And you won't until the fall. And I said, Why? And he said, Well, he said, I have a standing tee off time at the golf course every Sunday morning at 1030. And you won't see me until it gets cold. And I looked and I thought, okay. I bet God's really pleased with that. Is God anti-golfing? No. I believe God would be blessed if you got to go play Augusta. But God doesn't take it very lightly when we dishonor him in areas of our life like that. Is God against you going to the lake? No but when I start putting the things of this world above the things of God. I had another guy say to me, and he had several cars, and he had to sell one of them. Man, it put him in depression. His wife called me and said, Pastor, you've got to talk to him. So I, I went and saw him, and I said, dude, your identity isn't in your cars. And he had tears come down his face, and he said, Pastor, I just want people to think that I amounted to something in life. And I said, the something in your life isn't based on what you have or what you don't have. I mean, when you get to heaven, Jesus could care less what street you lived on. You may live on Abundance Boulevard. You may live on Shoot'em Up Boulevard. You may live on broke, busted, and disgusted avenue. He doesn't care. But what he does care is, do I have all your heart? Do I have all your heart? Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.